this is episode eight of the Real Talk with Claudia Mosigazzi. Eight episodes. Wow. You know, I have been trying to start this for like five years. I told the girls one time I was going to be a uh, YouTuber and I never did anything. I went into Amazon, buy all the lights and everything, like the back screen I and mean, everything. I was ready to do it. Never started. And now we're on episode eight. So uh, let me introduce you who I have with me. I'm very excited because I got a visit uh, today from my underwriters. And it's not just some underwriters. <laughs> These are the underwriters. So we have Chris D'Angostino, and she is the national... I'm the national underwriting manager. Underwriter manager. So she oversees all the underwriters. And then I have Cheryl, and... Um, I'm going to guess your last name, but I'm going to get it back. It starts with a T. B. No, B. Be- Beth. I can't even say Beth it. You. Beth you. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes, I remember now. And she is our underwriter manager. Team lead. Team, team lead. lead. But she's my team lead. Right. So she's my the so underwriter manager. Underwriter manager. Yes, she's my underwriter manager. So she, they're the lady bosses from the <laughs> underwriters. And, uh, and I'm super happy to have them because, you know, it's very important. Everybody's scared of, I feel like everybody's scared of underwriters. I agree with you. Yeah. People think that uh, we have, you know, pointy hats and, you know, curly shoe, shoes and we're, you know, horrible people, but we're really just people, see? Normal see, people. I, humans. Could, I could have had actually dressed as an underwriter for Halloween. So let me start with Cheryl. So Cheryl, what would you say an underwriter, what's like the underwriter's job? Or like what, like if let's say I'm going to buy a house and then my loan officer says, oh, your father's going to underwriting. Okay. Like, you know, how would you, um, I guess, explain to you know, the people that are listening that are going to start the process or are in the process, what an underwriter does. So an underwriter, a lot of people think the underwriter makes the rules. Underwriters do not make the rules. We follow the rules. So there are agencies um, that run a lot of risk analysis that make certain guidelines and certain rules. The underwriters review the files to make sure that we are going to comply with all of that and to mitigate our risk. Um, on the loan to close and have a successful transaction. I actually that's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. We don't make that the rules. Really we follow that the exactly rules. Right. Like, that's a meme. And We're then, gonna do this <laughs> a meme right there. It's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Like Very good. Yeah. What would be your definition of underwriting, Chris? What'd she say? <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> there you go. No, seriously, it, 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 that is a very good definition. The, um, you know, we want to keep liquidity in the market, so we've got to make sure that our the mortgages, as you said, have a, a good uh, level of risk, not too much, not too little, that we are expanding enough that we are making loans and not too tight, and but we're keeping uh, the risk down to keep liquidity in the market. So how true it is, because I know that a lot of people, and I have heard this from my realtors sometimes, like, oh, well, he's super black and white. Is it really? Do you guys work in an environment where it's really black and white? Oh, no. There's very little in underwriting that's black and white. I mean, there are some. There, there are definitely some, you know, hard and fast guidelines, but um, there's an awful lot of them that, that are, there's some interpretation involved. Yeah. So you can't, uh, you know, 
go one way or, or a little bit less lenient correct than another one so right. there's which one would be one of you one each of you which one would be like one rule that you're like okay this one is like the rule and it's never going to change no matter what lender you go to oh. like one that you think of like like i have one for example fha you need 3.5 percent down payment, it doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter what you tell the lender. It doesn't matter what lender's name is. You need 3.5% down payment. So what is one that you would think like, oh. I can tell you one that hits a lot. And I hate to use a complicated one because it is a little complicated. Um, but we see it a lot. Is FHA loans. If the borrower has had a gap of more than six months, they have to be on their current job at least six months at the time of our um, assignment of the okay, case FHA. number, um, you know, which is something that's done here in the office. Um, if it is not, FHA will not, it, it is not an eligible loan. And like I said, that's a little complicated. So if there's a gap of at least six months or more, they have to be on the current job at least six months when that case number is assigned. Otherwise, it won't do it. So this one is a big one because we see it a lot of times in the transactions that we have. And it's crazy to me because I want to tell you what I see with my clients. Like sometimes... Um, and they all know if they're listening, they know who you are, that, you know, you're like, okay, so when do you work here? I don't remember. I'm like, okay, like, we need to go back and remember, was it cold or was it warm? <laughs> <laughs> and it's because it's hot. Yeah, it's, so it's, so 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 yeah. it's just like, it was December, but it was hot. Okay, yeah. well, that's not going to help me. Um, but, yes, it's very important. So the gap of employment we're going to go back and look for two years. Correct. So that's like the the magic number is two years. What have you done? Where have you been? Everything in the last two years. So um, if you have a gap, we're going to kind of like push it back for more years to pass the two years. Right. But it's very important that you have been in the job for, for six in months. At least six months. Now, time. what if the gap it was like two years? If the gap is was two six years. months. Yes, it okay. is still six months, but there's also another thing. You, you, you kind of hit it on the head. You have to have a two-year um, employment history. If you have that six-month gap and that six months on the current job, you still have to verify two years, two years behind of employment. it. Right. So if right. that gap was two years, you still have to go two years behind it. So the bigger that gap, the farther you're going back. So it gets a little more difficult to actually have that documentation. And the reason why I'm asking is because I'm going to have to go back and call a client because I told her actually a year. She has been out without a job for like four years, and then I have the two-year history. Right. But yeah, I had the two-year before. I don't... No, I had the two oh, years okay. before, but there was like a four-year gap, like maternity gap, you know, and then she mm -hmm. stayed home. And then she started working again, and she's like, is it six months? And I said, no, it's a year. But now, no, we said six months. See, I learned something today. What about you, Cheryl? Um, I think one that's really just a hard line is probably IPCs, which is interested party contributions. So that would be when your seller is oh, yeah. paying your closing costs, or depending on how much your down payment is, and depending on the loan type, it can vary. But it's still a direct guideline; you can't change, change it. it. So that's uh, seller concessions, and yes, that's very true. So that's another one that you can't really go. So why do I say this? Is because sometimes we get realtors saying like, "Oh, well, you decline this loan, but so and so can do it." Mm -hmm. Okay, well the if the decline was based on a guideline, it's very likely that 
the file is not going to close. So you're going to put the, the client through a ringer, and then at the end of the day, it's just not going to happen. And one of the reasons why is this, that we're lucky with HomeSource Mortgage that I actually can run a scenarios through these ladies before we even give you a pre-qualification letter, which means you have better, if not the best odds that the transaction is going to go as smooth and you're going to get to the closing table, you're going to get your keys. So um, that's, you know, right. realtors deal with this more than we see it. You know, right. when a client is like, you tell them it's not approved and then they, somebody else says, oh yeah, we can do it. No, you can. <laughs> Let me know when you close the file. <laughs> right. It never happens. Right. Um, so what make, have you guys always been underwriters? Oh, not always. Once I was a small child. Um, <laughs> the, uh, see, I've been in the mortgage business for 33 years and underwriting for, um, my mental math isn't great, probably 27 of those. Oh, wow. I'm not near as long as underwriting, but I've been in the business in varying roles from Processing to title work. I did title work for about five years, and then I came back to mortgages and managed processors, et cetera, et cetera. So I've been in the business 32 years, but only underwriting for about 10. Oh, okay. Yeah. So very that's a long, long time. That's <laughs> yep. more than you would. And you want very seasoned underwriters so that they can actually make, um, not, again, like you said, not make better rules or anything, but review the files more. So let me tell you a story about how I look at underwriters. So <laughs> do we want to hear this? Yeah, you want to yeah. hear it. So you know my 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 dream job was to become a lawyer. Oh. That was like I wanted to be a, a lawyer. So you know life happens, things don't work the way that you you want them to be. And when I started being in this business then I kind of like just gave up on the whole thing. But you know, in your mind, you're like, okay, this is what I want to do. So I've always relate underwriting with like me being a lawyer and taking a case to court. Yep. Okay. So if one time I tell you, you can't handle the truth, <laughs> that's where I'm coming from. Yep. But, you yep. know, I mean, it's like, I have to show you guys reasons of why person A yep. deserves a house. Yep. And then you're going to tell me, but this, this, and this. And then that's where I'm going to tell you, no, but this, this, and this. It's our good stuff. Da, da, da. And then you win the case. I actually love that. We, I, I think about that all the time. That I, I Sometimes files are a little bit different. They don't quite fit. And there's some, you know, different circumstances. And I always like to tell the underwriter, sell it to me. Mm-hmm. That's what you're saying. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing. So yeah, like, tell why? me why it works. Yes. Tell me why it works. So Depends we speak. get, because we get as a loan officer and the processors and everybody that touches the file, me personally, I get to talk to the client. And then right. you know the whole story of like, right. why do you choose jobs that much? <laughs> you know, why do you do that? Why don't you save money? You know, right. literally. Yeah. So you start looking, because I'm going to tell you, I have to tell people you're not ready to buy a house. Like I just married a couple over $120,000, no money saved. Living with the parents. I'm like, where's the money? And they're like, well, no, I know. I'm like, no, you have a big budget problem. We need to go back to the budget. I'm going to tell you how long it's going to take you to save the money because this is how much you're making and this is how much you can save. And they both were like, 
wow, like no one has talked to us like that. I'm like, I bet. I'm sorry, you probably won't come back, but I had to say it. So, you know, and they do come back, but you know what I mean? Like, so that's uh, the behind. That's why my my team is like, don't call the underwriters because you're going to, like, you know, lose your calm and everything. So they, like, talk to you guys more than me. Potty is not allowed to call the underwriters. Um, <laughs> but um okay so one other question what is one advice that you will give realtors first a realtor and then a buyer so a realtor to give a better service to their um people you know when they get to you that something that can affect you mm. on the approval of the loan mm-hmm. and then um the buyers like something that you would tell, like, okay, I wish somebody would have had told me this before I even started the process. I know. That's a tough one. I wish you put the, the, the music like that. Like That is a tough one. Um, advice for a realtor. Um, this might not be a popular one, but putting a 15-day close doesn't help anybody. Um, because trying to cram something into a short period of time that takes longer can cause bigger problems. The um, expectation. Exactly. Because you're going to expect it to be done in 15 Exactly. Days. You just expect it to be done in the 21 days, which is more reasonable. It would go right. better. Okay, right. realtors. Yes, listen to that, but if Claudia says we can close in 15 days, you send me a deal. We can close it in 15 days. And you know what? Maybe, and it's maybe, just a clean file. Maybe like, 15 was the wrong number to use. Yeah. I mean, I, I've literally seen, you know, 10-day contracts, and I go, hmm, that's going to be hard to do. Yeah. You know, maybe 15 was the wrong number to use. But I mean, well, no, even like 10. I mean, we have seen it. I feel like, for example, we closed one. Connor, The Connor file yeah. was like literally... 19 days from yeah, yeah. start to end. Yeah, yeah. But it was such a clean file that it right. was just like, we could do cool. it. We had one that we closed in seven days. Yeah. And that was, the appraisal was done, the other lender, for whatever reason, couldn't do it, which, I mean, I, I get very panicky when I, I have those. Sure. Because I'm like, what am I missing? Like, why is it yeah. not happening? And, um, and they... You know, I mean, it was just like no reason, and we were able to close it, and we closed it in seven days, but there was an appraisal in place. So, yes, just be cautious about that. Talk to the lender. The lender can tell you what is the right expectation. Exactly, because you don't want to um, have you, you, you don't want to have that expectation out there and not be able to meet and it. To do that right. doesn't help anybody. Correct. Yeah. How about client? I think. Um, oh gosh, I don't even know. Um, not trying to bite off more than you can chew. Um, buying within your means. Um, I see a lot of um, I see a lot of credit reports and income, and I go, "Ooh, wow, that's kind of tight." That's a lot of yeah. that's a lot of house for that income. Um, and you know, it might work. We can probably make it work, but make sure that's really what you want. So that actually I appreciate a lot that answer because um, when. As loan officers, when you get buyers to come in, the first, like, literally, I call it the million-dollar question. It's, what's the max I qualify for? Right. Mm, do you really want to know that? Because, first of all, I start my uh, 
my meeting with, how much do you want to pay? Right. And then normally it's like, well, I want to pay like $1,500. Okay. Are you, and then I go to, have you started looking at houses? Yes. How much are the houses that you're looking at? Right. 300000 Okay. <laughs> Let's start about your expectations are not right. yeah. level off. Like, you know, what you want to buy is a, almost a $3,000 payment to a $1,500 payment. Let's talk about budget. Now, I think, and I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I think that the one of the things that I just feel like it should eventually change, and it probably will at one point. Maybe somebody will get smart and change that, which hopefully not always not that fast because right now we need all the help we do to right. approve people. But right. we approve people on dollars before taxes. The gross income. Yes, I agree with you. That's, That's crazy. Cool. I mean, before taxes, yep. if you're making $120,000 a year, I'm going to count $10,000 yet. You only get seven. So yep. that's a big, like, that's a big thing. Yep. You, you mean, if you actually sit down and do the math on, on somebody that's, you know, lesser income than that, if it's a, a very modest income or even a low income, if you do the math, they're in negative every month. Yes. If you, if you say, okay, I'm going to qualify them and they, they're going to qualify for 55% of their income, we're using the gross income. Okay, so now pack it back out that house payment, back out those debts, back out now back out the things that we're not counting in that fifty five. Oh, that's cable, your, your water, your internet, your gas, your phone bill, your you know, cell phone, your there's a whole lot of things that aren't in there. Food. So yes. this is another thing that is very important and, and I I'm telling you, like I mean those I have these conversations with them. Like when I see a lot of credit card debt. I do the math for them right. and then tell them why they shouldn't go and buy the $300,000 house. And I don't care to close a $200,000 or $100,000 or $80,000 loan knowingly that that family right. is going to be okay every month. And that's like literally the line. And a lot of people that have talked to me, they're probably going to remember this because I always tell them, I said, you're going to be stressing out making that payment. You're going to piss her off. You're going to be pissed off because you're going to work overtime. You're not going to see each other, and the next thing you know, you're going to call me to sell the house because you're getting divorced. Why are we going to go that way? Right. You know? Right. So, um, yes. So really I think that's it through good. And, and, and have somebody like yourself do right. the math and, and the show budget. you on black right. and white, you know, here's what that actually looks like. Right. And are you going to be okay with right. this? Right. Um, yeah, I really appreciate that answer. How about you, Cheryl? So for a real estate agent, I would say to always use home source mortgage. Ah, yes! She wins the prize. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> can I get, uh, can I take a client's That's a good one. You know, for a borrower, it's kind of really along your lines, except that I was, I was going to say that I recommend a first-time home buyer always take a home, a home buyer education class. Okay, um, yeah. Even if you don't need it for the program you're going on, it'll give you a lot of information and to know what to prepare for. There's a lot that goes with homeownership to know what to prepare for. And I think, I haven't taken one in a long time, but they do some budgeting and they stuff do. in those classes to do, that right. can be really helpful for your first-time home buyers. And they do, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, um, however, on the on the forms that we give you, we actually, I'm very big on budgets. And, um, and I even talk to my teams 
my team members to like I'm like I want to see your budget and everybody runs the other way around and I'm like no, I want to <laughs> see how much you're saving uh because it's very important to actually look at that and know you know how is it gonna be I mean buying a house is a very big investment I mean it's not just you know a, a little thing I always say that buying a house is not like buying shoes like, you know, it's not as easy and it's more complex than buying shoes. Even though for me, buying shoes is like, yeah, it's very complex. But. <laughs> wow. The home is usually everybody's biggest investment yeah. that they ever yeah. make. Maybe once or twice. Right? Right? Once or one right. thing, one thing stuff that you're going to do. Well, this was really great. So just to put it all together, uh, use home source. Yes. yes. Don't buy more than you can afford. Um, realtors, talk to your lender about closing dates. Um, what else do we say? Take a, a the business class. Um, now, tell me what's your favorite Thanksgiving dish. I'm all about the turkey. The turkey? I am. Do you make it? I do. How do you cook it? I roast it in the oven. Oh, really? I'm boring. Yeah. How? Old school. Stuffed. Oh, no, the bird has to be stuffed. What do you put on the stuff in? Just corn, uh, not cornbread, but just bread. Just bread. Yeah. And seasonings and onions and, and celery and carrots. No carrots. Not carrots. Potato? No. no. I don't stuff like carrots on the stuff. That's interesting. I've never heard that. My mom makes one with meat too. So. Huh. Yeah. Um, boring and traditional. How about you, Cheryl? Well, see, I'm all about the pies. <laughs> it's a good thing the podcast is just here. <laughs> and I do not make my own pies. That's what I have a sister for. That's She's um, a house. I she doesn't work full time. I'll say it like that. So she likes to bake and make pies. And I like to eat her pies. Which one is her favorite? Which one is um, the best one? Probably she, she does the best apple pie I've ever had. Oh. So homemade apple pie. Can't go wrong. I always say, you know, the housewives probably work more than we do. Yes, yeah, so I totally agree. That's why I was like, I gotta watch yeah. my wording. <laughs> no, 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 no. I would never be able to stay home. Agreed. Yeah. Like, it's too much work. I would pay not to stay home. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm gonna tell you we started the we started the podcast talking about how scary underwriters are, but I'm gonna say a word for them to be scared, and then I want them to just say. Really fast, why are you scared of that? Um, inspection reports. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't ever want to see inspection reports. Oh, thank I, you. I tell thank people you. all the time, do not put that in my file. Don't. Just please don't. just don't put that in my file. You can just raise please, please, please. all kinds of questions. Why? Because of, it's going to, so I've never, I've been in this business a very, very long time, and I have seen a lot of inspection reports, and I've never seen one that doesn't make the house look like it's falling down. And you know what? The house is not falling down. Yeah, and it's just so realtors. And the reason why I put this here because I taught I like this, I I repeat it and repeat and repeat it. When you get an amendment and you put on that amendment to repair things on page five, how many pages are you guys wanna see? I'm gonna see what I wanna see all of it. So here's the thing. I'm not necessarily only gonna wanna see page five. The bottom of page five says five of 12. I want 12 now. Yeah. I want so all So you guys have to remember, do not be, I'm going to say it on my podcast because in my podcast, don't be lazy <laughs> and actually write it out 
and like type it out all the repairs that are needed instead of just pointing at the at the at the page because my underwriters will ask for and if there's any lender out there because I have heard these two where they say oh my underwriters don't ask for it I call BS on that I agree I mean any, all underwrite any underwriter if we see things that pertain to the house we have to read it yeah yeah we can't ignore it and. I don't want to see it because I don't want to have to ask you things. too many questions. Because then you're going to ask for more repairs. I don't, don't, want, to do I don't right. want to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, no inspection reports. No. Pies. Buy the house that you can afford. Uh, and use home source mortgage. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. <laughs> Best answer Thank ever. You. <laughs> <laughs>